have to understand in order to be wealthy, it takes time, right? It takes time. It takes time and discipline, right? And uh, if you don't have a plan set, of, uh, nowadays people just don't have plans, right? So they live by the seat of their pants and they just every single day, they're trying to get ahead, but they don't know why or how to get ahead. Welcome to The Superhuman Life. I'm your host, Frank Bridge, and this is the only podcast in the world dedicated to helping men break free from the shackles of addiction through the power of faith and fitness. It is our goal with every episode to help you take back control and rebuild your body, mind, and spirit. And we do so by bringing you real and raw conversations with people just like you, aiming to find their place in this world while dealing with the everyday struggles and battles that we all face. Now, it is my belief that we were all created for a specific purpose. And if we can harness that belief or faith, then take control of our mind and body or fitness, then we can ultimately create the life that we've always dreamed about, our own superhuman life. I want to let you know how grateful and blessed I am to have you here with me today. Let's get on to today's show. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another amazing and awesomely exciting episode of The Superhuman Life. As always, guys, I'm your host, Frank Rich. And guys, I got to tell you, we have an incredible, incredible conversation for you today. You know, here on this podcast, we've had a lot of conversations with entrepreneurs, you know, going back to the conversation with Riley Meek, the $100, you know, $100 million man. We had Steve Weatherford on, you know, NFL Super Bowl champion, multi, you know, multimillionaire entrepreneur, Vince Del Monte, my own personal business coach. And, and I even talk a lot about the importance of finance and money. You know, it's in the five S that we're teaching over at Rebuilt Recovery and the five S of creating a superhuman life, you know, fitness, faith, finance, family, and, and, and freedom. We've never really gotten into the topic of money management or creating financial freedom. We'll talk a lot about maybe the tactics from a business perspective, but this week today uh, with, with my brother, with a very close personal friend of mine, we're getting into the steps, the actual tactics for creating financial wealth, for, for creating financial freedom, uh, financial security, in your own life, in your own home. And that's what we're gonna dive deep into today. Um, so I'm just gonna jump right in and introduce our guests and we're gonna get right into today's conversation. Today I'm speaking with a very close personal friend of mine, somebody that I uh, see on a weekly basis, he's part of a workout group. And in this conversation, I've been meaning to have with him for a really long time. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. But I'm speaking with Eric Ortiz. Eric grew up in uh, here in Tampa, Florida and played uh, played linebacker uh, at Bellhaven University where he graduated with a degree in sports management. After attending Bellhaven, where like I said, he played uh, he played linebacker on the uh, Division One team there. He went on to play a couple years in the NFL and he played with the New Orleans Saints, Minnesota Vikings. After suffering a couple injuries, he also took a stab at the AFL, the Arena Football League, where he played four years with the Tampa, Tampa Bay Storm. Um, due, to, due to multiple injuries, he decided to leave away or walk away from football. Um, and he's been in the financial services industry since 2005. Um, now today, currently, uh, Eric owns uh, and manages four financial brokerages here in the Tampa Bay area with 244 licensed agents all over, all over Tampa. Now we dive into what are, what are some of the issues that people are, are facing in the world? What is separating the wealthy from the poor and really focusing in on middle America? What's, what's wrong with our perspective, our view of money? We then break down and talk about the four pillars, the four basic financial pillars to creating financial wealth, to creating financial freedom in and of your own life. We, we, we address it from a biblical perspective. Eric, as a man of faith, uh, a man of God himself, talks about you know how... Uh, you know, money, finance is, is, is talked about in the Bible. And we, we also address the topic of, of Bitcoin, one that, uh, you know, I've kind of been curious. Uh, truthfully, I don't know a lot about the, uh, the, the subject of Bitcoin. Um, it was great to get somebody, you know, that's, that's, that's in the trenches uh, to get his opinion on it. So uh, jam-packed conversation, you know, come ready, pen, paper, ready to take some notes. Uh, but we're talking about, like I said, the four pillars to creating financial freedom in your life with Eric Ortiz. Hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, Eric, my brother, welcome to the Superhuman Life. Thanks, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I'm uh, I'm I'm really fired up today. It's a conversation I've really been looking forward to uh, to having for a while. You know, I think it's something. You know, we talk about you know we talk about making money, 
on the show a lot. You know, we've interviewed a lot of successful entrepreneurs. You know, I talk about the five S of building a superhuman life and finance really being, you know, right there in, in the dead middle. So I'm really excited to get in today and really talk about how people can create financial freedom and what to do with your money once you start making it. So as those are watching on YouTube can see, I took this conversation a little bit serious. I got dressed up for today, rocking the, you know, rocking the, the Under Armour polo. So we're, uh, we're ready, man. I think where I want to start though, and this is a question that thousands of people are sitting on the edge of their seat to get the answer to this. So with you, Eric, you've been a, you've been a professional athlete. You know, you played a couple years in the NFL. You had a little sit here with the Tampa Bay Storm, you know, obviously playing linebacker in, in college. You've been around incredible athletes your entire life. My first question, Eric, is what is it like being teammates with Frank Rich? And what is your greatest memory of our championship winning softball season? Okay, man. Hey, that is a phenomenal question. I'm so glad you asked that. Uh, first of all, um, I, I believe being a teammate uh, to the great Frank Rich was a blessing. Uh, you know, he brought in the, the muscle. He brought in the fourth cleanup hitter uh, position. And, uh, man, at first, you know, the first season we played together, Frank, I, you remember that, man. Our team was great, but we could have some improvements, right? So during the off season, we recruited. Uh, we got some uh, good athletes on our team. And the second, this last following season, man, we came out and, and it was a phenomenal, phenomenal season. You had a couple home runs. I led off the – I was probably one of the biggest leadoff hitters out there. Uh, <laughs> you know, we ended up we ended up winning, man. We beat a team that well, they only lost two games in the regular season in two years or something like that. And those two games that they lost was to the Orange Squad, baby. So uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was, but even better, man, it was uh, it was a great time to to develop a relationship and and uh, you know to learn from what is it that you do and how you impact people all across the world, brother. Yeah, man. No, amazing. And, uh, and yeah, that was a, that was a toss up question there for you and you, uh, you hit that one out of the park. So, so I appreciate, I, I appreciate those kind of words, man, but, uh, just trying to make it a little bit funnier. It's not every day we get to interview, you know, somebody that's a, it's a very close personal friend of mine. So the, for those of you guys who don't know, we're, we're doing this, uh, recording virtually. Um, but Eric is a very close, close friend. He's a brother of mine, somebody I get to see on a, on a regular basis. So yeah, just a little fun way to kind of start today's conversation, but getting to this, you know, this topic of, of money, creating financial freedom. One thing we always like to do with our guests is we'd like to provide a little bit of context. You know, who, who are we talking to? You know, I could open up a financial book and, you know, do a podcast myself, sharing tips, sharing wisdom, but having somebody like yourself that's built, you know, a successful company, uh, you know, successful brokerage for brokerages here in the Tampa area. I think you're overseeing, uh, you know, roughly 250, uh, licensed agents. So you're somebody that's in the game. You're not just this kind of talking head. You're actually implementing some of the things that we're going to get into here here today. But you know, to kind of start today off here, why don't we you know share a little bit about how you got to where you are today? You know, like I mentioned briefly, you had a little bit of a you know a, a stint in in the NFL. So yeah, just you know, without taking up the entire you know hour that we have here, introduce yourself a little bit to the audience, kind of let them know who who Eric is and how he got into the financial services industry. Yeah, man. So growing up, I've always been, uh, I grew up in a, in a athletic home, I would say. Everyone was always outside playing. Uh, we really never had PlayStations or anything like that. It was always outside and and a uh, very competitive atmosphere, which I believe led me to go play college uh, and, and eventually play in the NFL and also the AFL. Uh, but afterwards, what I realized is, is, you know, I graduated or I finished football, retired at age 24. Um, because I was, you know, I kept getting hurt and it was, it was just time. Right. And I was an outside linebacker and, uh, I was in search, man, where most people, when they, when they leave one career and go to another, they're just searching for something that fulfills them. And, um, you know, as I was searching, what I realized is that all my buddies who played football with me, who went to college with me, who, 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 uh, went to high school with me, they were clueless as far as how to manage money. Right. And it, it seemed like such a foreign language to them that when, you know, I approached them, I had to bring it, I had to make it relatable to them. So storytelling was a huge thing for me, you know, and, and when it comes to finance and storytelling, if you do that hand in hand, people understand the concept and realize that it's not as complicated as most people would think. Right. And so uh, I, I developed some sort of a love for that. 
you know, and when I realized it wasn't just athletes and my friends in high school, friends in college that were hurting financially, it was a whole bunch of people in the Tampa Bay area uh, that needed help. And it wasn't until last year that we expanded from Tampa Bay all over the United States uh, because because of COVID. People realized they couldn't leave their house. And so we stayed at home, mastered the Zoom, we mastered uh, the Riverside. We, I mean, we mastered all this, these virtual meetings where, whereby we can have more than 100 people on a call where we can train them on, on and teaching them how to impact their communities as well, too. So uh, at first, it was me teaching the masses. Uh, as far as how to better their personal finances. But what I've developed a massive passion was, uh, is teaching other people how to teach other people, right? And it was, it's been great, man. From there, we, we've developed four offices here in Tampa. Uh, my parents are also uh, in the financial business as well, too. They've been in for the last almost 30 years. So they basically just taught me everything I knew, along with my brother, and uh, from there, we're just like, man, let's go out there and let's just help out the masses, man. Let's just help out the people uh, who aren't being helped nowadays. Because uh, let's be let's be real, man. The the wealthy have advisors, lawyers to help them out. Uh, you know, when you look at the very poor, poor, I mean, they have Social Security, they have the government that helps them out, but the middle percent, the middle America, has been neglected, and that's who we focus in on. We focus on everybody. You know, but most importantly, the middle America, uh, and, and so that's what we realized. We realized how to how to how to make this topic that seemed complicated really understandable for everyone. That's incredible, man. I definitely want to get into you know some of the things that you've you know you we have we have some entrepreneurs that are you know that that are listening. How you've kind of been able to navigate you know this last year with COVID and everything. I love that you talked about your parents there. You know, what was the conversation, you know, because I don't feel that like this is obviously something it's not, you know, it's not really taught correctly in school, you know, like the young, you know, the young generation is nothing that, you know, I was never given, you know, financial literacy in, in school. I've had to kind of navigate um, and fall on my face a lot as as an adult. And, you know, for me growing up, it wasn't really a conversation we had in our home. So with you, you know, having your parents kind of involved in the industry, what was the topic of conversation at home, you know, around finance, around money? Is that something you feel has kind of played a role in the success? And was it something that your parents were, were discussing as you and, and, and your brother, Jason, were coming up? Yeah, absolutely. So growing up, we always talked about money. Uh, we realized that, um, in the in the Bible, it says money could be the love of money could be the root of all evil, right? Or is the root of all evil. But what we realize is is the word love there, the love of money. So, but we also know that the lack of money could also be the root of all evil as well too. Money provides options, you know. And so, uh, at the kitchen table, man, we were just always talking about our goals, our dreams, and we knew that we can get there faster, right? If we had larger lump sums of money in our in our, you know able to spend right so we always were taught hey man how to have a budget how to save 10 percent of your income and tithe it right we're always taught how, how to save for that rainy day just in case something was to happen you know what money do you have accessible and also we all we were always taught about retirement man save your money so that when you reach retirement your money saves you right and so uh it was it was those four things that we that we talked about you know and i feel like nowadays man when it comes to parenting I think money should be definitely, um, you know, one of the top topics of conversation there, man. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like I told you, man, money, you save money now so that later money can save you. It should be the headline of everybody's conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, 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 let's zero in a little bit. I think this is a great, I think this is a great point that we can kind of really, you know, dive in and, 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 and get some people some real, real actionable stuff. You know, we have, you know, we have a large audience here, a lot of, a lot of parents, you know, there's a lot of dads listening, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's some moms, we do have somewhat of a, of a female audience, but for most, you know, they're either, you know, they already have the kids or it's something that they're planning. And I know you're, you know, you're, you're, you're a young dad yourself. So what, you know, you're obviously not having a conversation. I think you're, I think your son is too, but at what age is, is kind of a proper, you know, time to maybe start having the conversation. And then what's some kind of early advice, if any, that we can give to parents to maybe help pass on, you know, money management skills or, or yeah, just kind of, how do you, you know, how do you kind of navigate in, in having conversation with people that are parents of, of how to kind of teach their kids the, the proper way and rules around money? Yeah, absolutely. man. I, I believe, you know, um, the way we do it in our, or way we grew up in our household was when you work, right, you get paid a little bit. You work, you get paid a little bit, right? And it was money management that was very important for us. So 
how my parents would do it is they would have a, you know, it changes now to, to the envelope system, but we just had a bucket, right, a, like a jar, and uh, in that jar was two, uh, was two sections, all right? It was a save section and a spend section, right? And so what we did is every time we got paid, you know, it wasn't much. It was probably like a dollar or something for, you know, doing something around the house, vacuuming, right? And so they paid us a dollar uh, in quarters, and we were supposed to put one quarter on the save section and then three quarters, you know, on the on the spend section, you know, and as time goes on, as time goes on, you start seeing your savings jumping up, right? And sometimes when, when that's when it's the visual learning, you say, oh man, well, let me put some of my spend money, right, that I wanted to spend. Let's, let's just keep adding it towards my save money, right? And that's the, that's the message that we need to, to preach to our kids, those simple little exercises Right, so that when they're older and they get a paycheck from work, their first paycheck, they already know, man, I don't have to go spend this on Jordans or I don't have to go spend this on clothes that I don't that are gonna wear out. I need to save some of this money for later down the road. Right. And so uh nowadays is the envelope system. Uh people have envelopes and um, you know, they put a dollar in the save, dollar in the spend, and, and the dollar in the invest um, you know, portion. Whatever I think we just need to learn and master how to separate our money. I love that. I love the visual, the visual component of it too. Like watching the savings side literally build and build and build. You know, you can put the money into a bank account and then show the kid online. Here's your savings account, but those are just numbers. It's like actually seeing as it's as it's filling up. You know, one thing I've talked a lot about here is kind of you know my entrepreneurship kind of journey started all the way back when I was a kid. You know, 10, 11, 12 years old, pushing lawnmower around the neighborhood just so I could make some money so I could then go out and, and spend it. You know, so for me, money has always been make money, spend money, make money, spend money, make money, spend money. I didn't have anybody showing me these early lessons on, but I could really see how, how impactful that could, that could be for a young kid, like literally the, the visual side. So I hope everybody, you know, really, really got the takeaway there. That's incredibly powerful. And then you're teaching budgeting, you're teaching like how to, how to live off of, you know, less than what you, what you make. Yeah. Um, yeah. Real, real powerful, yeah, real powerful tool there. On the budgeting side, which is very important, man, is when, when people think of budgeting, Frank, they, they think of, dang, man, I, I can't spend money now, man. I can't spend money. I got I to gotta live below my, which is true, which is essentially true. But budgeting is only just telling your dollar, is giving your dollar a name, right? So if you make 100 for every $100, right, I'm going to take $23 and save it. I'm going to take $4 and I'm going to make sure that's around for my electricity bill. I'm going to have this you know, $17 for my retirement investments, right? And, and, and just making sure every dollar has a name, right? And uh, even so at the end of the day, you spoke, the main purpose of a budget is to zero out, right? To make sure that at the end of the month that you have zero left over because some of it is left over for savings. You know, some of it is for, uh, you know, daily use. Some of it's for groceries, some, you know, and by doing it that way and, and budgeting every week rather than every month, you're gonna have a better turnout, you know, and so that helped that helped me out personally, and that's helping out our clients as well too. Yeah, and it's 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 the act of assigning something to every every dollar. I mean, that's really what the budgeting is 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 about. I know for me, there was this there was this misperception of like budgeting is for poor people. Like if you're doing well, you don't need to worry about a budget because you got plenty of money. But if you got a plenty a bunch of plenty, of, you know, you got a bunch of money, but it doesn't have a place that it's going, then the chances of you mismanaging it or in, or in the chances of it, you know, maybe not disappearing, but it, you're, ju you're just not in control of it. So, exactly. so I, 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 I love that. It's something I'm, you think about it too. There's a whole bunch of, I mean, if you, you look at any massive corporation out there, let's just say Google, there was a chief officer, chief financial officer that's only in charge <laughs> of budgeting. Right. And so if they have somebody who's in charge of just budgeting, why not? We should have, control of that area in our life and our finances as well too, right? I mean, they see, they have a, a, a chief officer, like the main guy, not the CEO, the CFO, that his or her job is only to visualize the budget, right? So if you yeah. know how important a budget is, man, we should incorporate that in our daily exercises as well too. Yeah, that's great. The examples, the examples are, are always there. 
Um, you know, at the beginning here, you talked about, you know, the wealthy, like they're doing okay. They had their financial coaches, you know, the poor, they're not so, not so well off. Like they get the government assistance and, you know, hopefully those people can, can get some other help, but you, 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 you that's kind of this middle America. That's kind of been your focus with, with who you service and, and who you try to lift up. What are some of the biggest challenges, you know, that, that, you know, middle America is facing when, it, you know, in terms of, of money, whether it's the managing side of things, whether it's making more, just, yeah, where, where do people, People in in that kind of middle area, like what are the biggest things, biggest problems that they're facing? You know, honestly, uh, Frank, it's pride, man. It's pride. People are just like, man, listen, I can do this myself. I can do this. I can figure this out myself. I instead of going out and and getting a coach, man, getting a financial coach that can tell you, listen, this is your budget, right? This is this is how much you make. This is how much you should be saving. Here's a here's a plan uh, for you to reach retirement freedom, reach financial peace. Right. And, uh, and that's what that's what's hurting middle America nowadays is, is that they feel like a full day of work. They can work all hours. They think they're Superman. They can work all hours, come home and actually have a sound mind to orchestrate a plan to reach financial independence. Right. They need to hire somebody, man. They need to sit down with somebody or, or learn it. Right. And get licensed and learn it themselves. Right. And, uh, you know, that's what we realize nowadays is that man, people are just a lot of people are just prideful. They just don't want to say that they need help in this area. Right. And if they just reach out and say, listen, can you help me? Can you help me with my finances? Can you make sure and teach me on how my financial plan should look like? Man, I, I, I'm saying middle America would be thriving. There would be, you know, we would be thriving significantly. If people just say, listen, help me, help me and teach me on this plan. Definitely, definitely not the answer I thought I was going to get. But when I when I think about it, I guess that's probably what holds most people back in in most areas of their life, not losing weight. It's their pride of not willing to hire somebody struggling with pornography, the pride of like not being able to to, to talk about it. So, yeah, it's, it's so it's so human, human nature to, to allow our pride and ego to uh, to drive here. Um, you, you, you threw this word out financial, you know, financial independence. I said financial freedom here, here at the beginning. Can we define that? Like what is financial independence? What does financial freedom mean? Is it a, is it an individualized thing? Is there kind of a generalized definition of, of what it means? Yeah. So for, I think everyone has their own definition of financial independence for me is doing what I want, when I, when I want with whoever I want, however I want. Right. I, I don't want someone telling me what, I should be doing because of my my savings or because of my income. Right? I want to have total freedom of time and freedom of money, and that's how I would describe financial financial independence. Now there are other people out there who would describe it as I just want to pay off my house, right? I just want to have my student loans paid off, and I'll be considered financially free, right? Uh, but for me, I just want to I want to make sure that I have total complete control on my life, man. Whereby if, if we're looking at you know, traveling the world for six months, you know, then we can do that. You know, if we're looking at, you know, paying off our house lump sum, we can do that. You know, if we're looking at, you know, sending our son to co whatever college that he wants to go to without getting into a bunch of student loans, then we could do that as well, too. Uh, it's just total freedom of money or total freedom of time and freedom of choices as well, too, brother. That's how that's how I would describe, you know, financial independence for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I absolutely love that. And, and, and hopefully everybody listening is kind of, you know, as we're going to kind of, you know, pivot here and get into some of the tactical stuff here. Now, hopefully people are kind of thinking about, okay, like, like, what does this mean for me? So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm kind of guiding everybody right now. Like if, if you don't know yet what financial independence or financial freedom means to you, maybe pause this conversation uh, because we're going to jump into some of these these tips and, and and kind of the pillars. I think you I think you broke them down as 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 pillars. So yeah, why don't we take that as kind of everybody now is kind of you know thinking about what freedom means to them. Let's walk them through how to maybe create you know financial freedom, financial independence in their lives. So I know you have a pretty good system that you that you teach. You talk about you have these these pillars. So yeah, just kind of walk us through walk us through that. Absolutely. So the first pillar which we spoke about, the most important one, right before you even start getting into thinking about financial freedom is, is like we said, you got to have a budget, right? You got to figure out, you know, what's coming in, what's going out and what can stay in. All right. And, and it's just you putting down all your, your monthly expenses, right. On a sheet of paper and, and, and figure out what's my, when do I, when does this money come? When does this money come out of my account on what day? What's the amount, right? 
And then also, how much do you make on a monthly basis? And figure out, man, I gotta, I gotta make sure everything is in line. And and when you have a plan, and you do it that way, you're gonna realize that a lot of money goes to Wawa, it goes to McDonald's, right? It goes to eating out. Uh, it goes to unnecessary expenses that you can save just by staying at home, cooking your own meals, right? Making your own coffee, and, and you can save literally hundreds of dollars just by doing that, right? So having a budget, and when we my wife and I did our budget before, like right when we got into this business, right, right when we got into this industry, we realized that, man, we were eating out a lot, right? We realized that we were eating our retirement away, right? We were eating out a lot and we were shopping a lot as well. So when we when we gave ourselves, because we weren't, we weren't disciplined at that time, Frank, we gave ourselves an allowance. We said, listen, this month or this week, we can only spend $20, right? $20. So when you give yourself an allowance, then you start thinking, man, do I really want to eat out or do I uh, want to just cook meals at the house, right? And and not waste my money, right? And by doing those simple tasks, by doing an allowance for yourself, by putting a budget together, you're going to master the first pillar of having a budget. The second budget, the second, yeah, oh, go ahead. yeah, can I, um, can I pause? I want to ask you a couple of questions, yeah, maybe yeah. around around budget, and then we can we can move on to the to the second one. So, you know, would 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 it would you advise? You know, maybe somebody like they're 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 looking at this. They're they're starting from ground zero. They're like, dude, I've just been spending money. Like, there's plenty coming in. I don't know where it's going. I'm just I'm I'm just spending it. So. How would you kind of walk through? I mean, is it, do you look at expenses first? Do you look at income first? Is it kind of an analysis of both of them? Do you go back, look at three, three months of expenses all at one time? Or yeah, just maybe walk through a little bit deeper if we can of like yeah. actually how to put the budget together. So what we did, what, what we did is we just went through our bank statement and we said, all right, let's figure out how many times last month, you know, it's a strenuous activity at first initially, right? Last month, how many times did we go out to eat? All right, sometimes banks can can already have that put away, put aside as far as uh, you know, your allotment, right? But I would go in there and literally print out your last month's statement and highlight, you know, highlight on, on the statement how many times did you go out to eat, right? And with another highlighter, right, I would say, okay, how many times? Same, I'm a different color. How many times did I go out shopping, right? And add all those numbers together, and you're gonna realize. Either A, I, I didn't eat out that much, or B, I'm eating out way too much, right? And so that'll be the first step, right? That'll be the first step. And then you figure out, okay, what days are my bills coming out? What day is my electricity coming out? What day is my rent coming out? What day is this coming out? What day is that coming out, right? And you just mark down the dates, right? And then how many times do I get paid on a, do I get paid weekly or do I get paid bi-weekly? Or do I get paid one lump sum a month? right and from that you just start deducting right start deducting and we have a nice little spreadsheet i mean if, if you i can send that to you uh frank you know so you, you can give to your your listeners out there that, that helps out that breaks every week down you know and um and it helps you out as far as tracking purposes and that's just it's just temporary man it's like it's gonna hurt initially just like going to the gym if you haven't been to the gym in a while the first day it, it hurts man it hurts so bad it hurts the next day, the following day, the next week, right? But once you develop a pattern and once you be, it becomes a habit, then it, you're winning, right? Then you're on track, right? So anything you start is gonna it's gonna hurt at first, right? And so that would be my first point. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's developing the discipline, putting in the time, putting in the effort, putting in in, in the reps, and over time it gets it gets better. One more question here on budget. You know, we have a lot of uh, you know maybe up and coming entrepreneurs and you know you know as a as an entrepreneur business owner yourself like in those early years like income can be somewhat uh you know it's not it's not the most stable thing so how do you maybe advise you know building a budget around somebody that's got a fluctuating income maybe they're a commission-based salesperson so they're not having like it's you know it's not five grand every month is is guaranteed you know they're making enough you know to cover their bills but it does it, it is on this fluctuating scale any advice to to the up-and-coming entrepreneur somebody that's maybe got a little flexible flexible income how to maybe stick to their stick to their budget so what i would do is i'll do a three-month average right what was the last three months of your income right and then average it out and that's what i would include as far as your monthly income right that's what i would do a three-month average uh now if, it, if it's a business just coming off the ground 
I'll figure out, okay, how much money do I have to make, right? How much I need to make six grand to make sure all my bills are paid off. I need to make sure, right? And so if it's a brand new business coming off, if you don't have a three month track record, I'll say, okay, how much money do I have to make this month to make my bills, you know, to make sure I have savings, bills, so on and so forth, right? And use that as, as motivation to say, all right, man, now this month I got to make seven grand, right? So that I can save a thousand, right? And so that, that's how I do with a, so if a brand new person, you know, figure out if six months haven't had really uh, too much growth in the, during those times, well, figure out a number that, that, that's your bottom line and exceed it by a thousand. Right. And now if you have a business and you've had ups and downs, then what's your three month average? Put that down and exceed it by a thousand. Got it. And then just just make sure your minimums are, are being covered and maybe anything that's coming in extra will fall into one of these other categories that we're going to get to. So first pillar here for creating financial freedom is building, developing and, and sticking to your budget. So what's what's the next step? What's the next pillar? Um, to, to, to create that financial independence. Yeah. Second, second pillar is you got to start investing, right? You got to start, you got to start saving your money right now. Now you got to start saving the right way. Uh, not just in the bank, right? You got to go elsewhere, find investment, uh, accounts that are growing that have good interest working with you. Um, you know, and, and, and so I would develop a certain amount of account accounts out there. I wouldn't just sell, you know, developing a retirement account. I would also develop an emergency account. You know, we also have, uh, you know, education fund accounts, right? Um, so that when my son goes to college, I'm not pulling out of my retirement. It's not affecting my retirement at all. He has an account aside, set aside just for him as well, too. Um, also, I set up a, 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 a vacation fund account, right? Because nowadays people go on vacation. They come back with a whole bunch of debt, right? That hunts, that just takes away all the memories of their awesome vacation because they're always paying paying back their vacation expenses with interest, right? So I set aside a, a, an account just for vacations um, and, and you have to vacation and you got to get your mind right. You have to leave, right? But you have to leave cash only, right? Hey, I'm taking cash on this trip and this is what we're spending for this trip, right? And so- What's your take on um, tax, tax returns for vacation? I feel a lot of people use their, like their tax return is there kind of a vacation fund? What's just your personal take on something like that? So tax return is just meaning that you overpaid on your taxes, right? That's just the IRS saying, hey, man, and, you know, we took out X amount of money. Here's X amount back, right? And so I would say, man, if they give you money back, invest it, man. Put it into an emergency fund. Put it into a, uh, you know, money market fund. Something that, you know, that if, if, if your AC breaks down, if you're, you know, you're, you're car, you need a new car, you need new furniture around the house that you could take out of that money, you know, to pay for that. You know, instead of using that blessing uh, to, to fund something that doesn't provide a return, use that use that blessing for you know, something that, you know, if you need it down the road, hey, you have it. You have it there. Right. And so you have to invest your money, man. And, and you know, they say, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's biblical, man. If you you got to make sure that your money is growing. Right, that you're investing somewhere that your that your money is growing, that it's not just sitting under the mattress, that's not sitting just in the bank, right? And if it's for long term use, then definitely put it put it somewhere that's gonna provide you a significant return as well. I know um, you know, I've gone through I've gone through Dave Ramsey's, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with with FPU Financial Peace University. Um you know, he talks about, you know, your 1000 emergency fund, then building, you know, a six, I think it's a six month security blanket. You kind of, you mentioned something here a little bit, but do you advise prior to investing, like getting a certain amount stored away or immediately once you got the budget, are you then going straight into investing and just building your investing into, into your budget? The way that we do it, so I'm just going to show you how, how, how Bruno and I uh, do our portfolio, right? We make sure that just like Dave Ramsey says that we have that money set aside, right? But we also want to sprinkle on the other ones as well too, right? Our main focus is, is developing that emergency fund, but we also want to give a little bit to our retirement funds. We also want to give a little bit, you know, to our vacation fund as well. Uh, because let, let's be real, man, if we have a savings account that, that's just for a rainy day, then we're neglecting our retirement, we're neglecting, you know, our vacation as well too. Right. So I want to make sure that all of them have love. Right. But I'm going to create more focus on the emergency fund first until that's fully funded. And then whatever I put towards my emergency fund, then I'm going to start allocating it towards my other ones. Right. 
And so it's all about, yeah, have the, the most important fund out there, I would say, is the emergency fund, right? A lot of people think that the retirement funds are the most important. No, man, it's the emergency fund. Because if an emergency happens, Frank, and the only thing we have is a retirement account available for us, we see it all the time, man. People are taking out their retirement funds. They're getting hit with penalties, taxes, and so forth when they should have had an emergency fund that they can liquidate and have no taxes or penalty taken out. I think I know, I think I know what your answer is going to be, but is there ever, is there ever too little? Like, I mean, you know, I, I put my budget together, I squeezed everything out. And at the end of the month, I got five bucks left. Like, I mean, is, is, is it even worth it for me to start investing with five bucks or like, should I be at a certain point, maybe a hundred bucks, 200 bucks a month? Yeah. Just kind of like, is it ever too little to start investing? So the minimum on, on some of these accounts is $25. Right. And so I would figure out how can I get the $25 first, right? And start making it a habit of let me put 25 away, 25 away, 25 away. And as time gets better, which it will, then let me put 30, let me put 50, let me put 100, right? And uh, going from there, if, if, if uh, a month comes by and you're like, man, I am just strapped, I can't do anything, well, just don't invest that month. All right. But when you're better, hey, put a little bit more, let's put a little bit more, let's put a little bit more. Right, but you have to have something set aside, out of sight, out of mind, right? And, and and what we see nowadays, Frank, is that people put it in their immediate checking, like immediate savings account. So when they log onto their their app, they can just see it right there. But first of all, two things wrong with it. They they see it right there, so it's easy for them to transfer it over if they really want those shoes or those earrings or something. They can just transfer it over, and there goes their emergency fund. And then the second reason that's wrong is that. There's no interest on that money, right? And so it's not growing at all. So I would say, man, focus in on putting some your money where you don't see it, but you know that it's growing. Yeah, and should they, you know, should they hire, like right out of the gate, somebody? Maybe look at like getting a TD Ameritrade account on their own, or what's you know what's the best way to go about just like minimum amounts, yeah. like no, hire somebody. Yeah, hire somebody. Um, who, who can who can help you out? Who's licensed? Who has? And my number one question I always tell people is: when you're hiring somebody, you got to ask them point blank, man, what do you have? I want exactly what you have. What do you have in place, right? And don't put me somewhere that you don't know where what money's doing. Put me in an account that you have as well too, right? Or a strategy that you have as well too, right? There, there's a lot of people out there who know everything about everything, but they don't have the license to do it. Right. Well, it's like going to a gym right, and looking for your personal trainer and go to the most out of shape person there and asking them what, what should, and they were telling you what you should do with your, where your, your, your strategy, your techniques. You're not going to listen to them just because of the way they look, right? The way that you just know they really don't know what they're doing, right? But you're going to go talk to the, if somebody came up to you shredded, right? Just big, just knows what he's doing. Turns out you're going to listen to that person more than the other person, all right? And the same thing comes with finances, man. You're going to talk to, if you're going to talk to me about finances, show me what you got, man. Put me, put me where you are investing your money, right? So that's the number one thing. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you have, you know, $25 to your name or $250 million to your name. Treat me the same way that you're going to treat me, treat the $250, uh, $250 million client as well, too. Yeah, I love that. And, and just like, yeah, just like I said at the beginning, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to get get you on to have this conversation is because you are in the trenches day in and day out. You're still doing doing this both in your own family and and, and, and building all your brokerages. So, all right. So we got build a budget, stick to your budget, start investing. Third pillar. Getting out of debt. Right. Getting out of debt. That's a third pillar. Right? And what we realize is that debt is the easiest thing to get into. Right? but the hardest thing to get out of, all right? The hardest thing, and the reason why is because as you're paying off your debt, as soon as you get close to paying off that debt, man, they throw another carrot right in front of you. They say, you know, hey, Frank, listen, uh, we can extend your limit, right? Or we can transfer you to another car that has better benefits. And naturally, people are like, you know what? Let me let me go do that and get, in, get into more debt, right? At the end of the day, man, Debt is the, what is it? Uh, uh, you'll always be a slave to the lender, right? When you're in debt, right? You'll always be a slave. So you got to get out of debt as fast as possible. 
Now, there were people that say there's good debt out there, there's bad debt out there. You know, in my opinion, right, debt is is like the the uncle, right, the the weird uncle in the closet, right. Everyone knows he's there, but nobody wants to, you know, tell him tell him that you that he's there, right. So everyone has debt, but nobody really wants to say it. So I think the first debts that we have to eliminate would be the consumer debt, like the the credit cards, the car loans, anything with high interest. Get rid of that as fast as possible, right? The second debt you need to get rid of is student loans, right? Because a lot of people don't know, but student loans, even if you file bankruptcy, they still stick with you, right? So you got to eliminate those student loans as fast as possible and then go after your mortgage, right? And the best way to do it is by our concept called debt stacking, right? You, you mentioned debt, uh, Dave Ramsey, he calls it debt snowball. Essentially what it is, is you pay off the debt First, that you know you can pay off the fastest, you pay that off, boom. And then whatever you're paying on that debt, you stack it onto the next debt, right? So let's say you're paying $100 for a credit card, you pay that off, you stack it onto the next credit card. So instead of paying $100 on that next credit card, now you're paying $200. So that next credit card is going to get eliminated faster. So as that's paid off, you're going to stack that $200 on the next you know, debt, which is, you know, so, so you're just snowballing the payments. And uh, and by doing it that way, by doing that strategy, instead of paying a little bit more on this card and a little bit more on this card, by doing it that way, you're out of debt uh, way faster. You know, so that's what's been helping us out tremendously, you know, in the market, getting people out of debt as fast. As, and then once you're out of debt, once you're out of debt, Frank, what we tell them say, listen, now that now that you're completely debt free. You're already used to spending, you know, $2,000 a month towards debt. Let's take that $2,000 that you're used to spending towards debt and let's invest it. Boom. Let's invest it. Let's invest it. And let's stack that money up, right? And so now when you reach retirement, now you reach retirement with no debt and you have all this money that you can, you can truly consider yourself retired at that moment. Got it. How about business debt? You know, I asked you about the entrepreneur, um, you know, with, with building a budget, you know, there, there can be times, you know, startup or, or even in a scaling phase where, you know, you can leverage, you know, you can leverage some debt, you know, to, to, to grow faster or, or, or to help scale, or even sometimes you need it to kind of get, you know, to, to, to get things off the ground. What's your take on, on business debt? Yeah. I mean, debt, Debt is just saying, like, listen, I'll pay it back later. I'll pay it back later. I, pay, I need it now, but I will pay it back later. When it comes to business, the if, it's in, if, if that debt is in an area that's helping your business grow, right, then you just got to grow your business so that you can pay that debt off as fast as possible, right? Uh, now, my main concern is debt as far as, like, you know, uh, going out to eat, grocery, uh, you know, not grocery, but going out to eat, shopping, so on and so on, debt that you really don't need to have to grow anything compared to debt that you have to grow your business, right? And by having that debt also, Frank, I mean, you have a, talk to, talk to an accountant, guys. I recommend you guys talk to, because there's a lot of write-offs being a business owner and having, having debt as well, too. So, um, you know, that's a benefit as well, too. But I've always been, let's get this debt knocked out. Let's get this debt resolved, right? So we can focus more on putting money back in our pockets. Yeah, debt debt shouldn't be your your tool that you use to build your your flashy IG lifestyle. You know, um, I'm sure growing growing up here in Tampa, I'm sure you're familiar with the idea of the thirty thousand dollar millionaire. No, you know, you get this whole kind of so funny you said that. Yeah, we call, we call it fifty thousand. Come on now, you got you got you got yeah. You, you got, you got four grown men, you know, all living in a townhouse together, you know, bunking up. And then there's four, you know, four Mercedes parked out front and, you know, they, they got the latest Jordans. They're literally, you know, they're, 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 they're living, you know, credit card to credit card to credit card, just so they can have, have the flashy lifestyle, bro. I've, I've definitely been, been down that road, road before. Yeah. All right. So we got, we got develop a budget, stick to it, start investing, even if it's as small as $25 a month, then eliminate debt completely starting with the snowball effect, smallest deal, you know, smallest bills first, do, 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 all the way up to all to up to your house. So we got the three pillars here. What's the fourth and final pillar to help people reach financial freedom? Yeah. So this is, this is this fourth pillar is for somebody for a young family, right? Family that has kids, has a mortgage, has debt. The fourth pillar is making sure that your income is protected with insurance, having some sort of low cost term insurance, 
uh, that if God forbid something happens to you, but they, that your family doesn't have to worry about the bills, doesn't have to worry about the uh, credit cards, doesn't have to worry about having you know a, a strenuous budget because they have the funds coming in no matter what. And, and when it comes to insurance, everyone starts, their heart starts panicking, right? They think, oh man, I'm buying life insurance. It's, that just means I'm gonna die soon. No, man, you, you're buying life insurance because you're protecting your income, right? Now, I, I was saying this on a podcast the other day, which is it brought, uh, now that you can see me, it makes a little bit more sense, right? Let's say that you have a tree, right? You have a tree right here. You have a car and you have a house. In what order would you insure those three? Like, what, what would you say, Frank? Like, what do you think most people would say? Uh, well, car first, because I think you have to have car insurance. Yep. yep. So you would say and then car, probably house next, and then the tree. House next, and then the tree, yeah. But I don't know why would I insure a tree. Exactly, right? So a tree would probably be the less, you know, you wouldn't even probably think about that. But, but let's say, let me yeah. set the story up a little bit. Let's say that tree every single month is, is shedding $3,000 from the limbs. Everything, every single month you go out there. And then mm. 3,000 coming out, 3,000 coming out, 3,000. Wouldn't you insure that tree to make sure that those 3,000 come out every single month? Yeah. So we're the wow. tree, right? We're the tree, right? Every single, a lot of people think that the house is the most important asset or a car is the most important asset. But at the end of the day, we're, we're the number one asset. We're the ones that produce the income, right? And so we have to protect our income, make sure that if God forbid something happens to us, that my family still gets three thousand, four thousand, five every single month for the rest of their life. That they're not struggling, you know, on GoFundMe accounts. That the churches have to do barbecues to make sure they can bury me, right? That you know, my wife isn't every single month paying a bill, which keeps reminding her that I passed away without giving my legacy to my kids, right? So I want to make sure that the family is taken care of financially, with or without me, right? And so that's the final pillar. And, and I, it's not just a pillar. I think it's the foundation to any financial plan that's out there, right? Getting yourself some, uh, some insurance, not to pay for my death, but, but to pay my family for the rest of my life, just in case I pass away too soon, right? And so that, when that was way, I was like, that's perfect. I, I needed to see that. I needed to see that visual, right? And, and that's what made sense to me. Yeah, no, that just that that last piece there that you just shared, like just just hit home. You know, I I, I shared I, I was interviewed a couple of weeks back on uh, Men of Iron with Chad, uh, Chad Zook. Um, and, and we were talking about finding your purpose. And, you know, he's asking me advice, like, how can guys, you know, guys doing well, you know, he's got the corner office, he's making 150k a year, yet he still finds like something's missing in his life. He's like, what type of advice do you have to that guy? And I was like, I was like, go to the end of your life. Like, think about the conversations that people are having at your funeral. Like, what do you want people to be remembered? What do you want people to remember you by? And what you just said there is like, you don't want people to remember you when you're gone because your debt is still existing. Like, that's the last possible thing you want somebody to talk about when you're completely gone. That that piece right there just just hit home. So you said there it was, you know, for, for the married couple, maybe starting a family. Like, should single guys, you know, look at... at at, at uh, income protection, or or if not, what you know, what's the what's the step for the guy there that's maybe not in that position with a family family yet? If he's if he's gone all three already, yeah, I, I believe that somebody who who doesn't have kids doesn't really have the family right now. Uh, but if you're looking at, there's two reasons. You can either get it for legacy purposes, saying, man, if anything happens to me, I want to make sure my family, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother. Right, that I leave them a the last love letter, we call it the last love letter, where it's like, hey, listen, I'm not here anymore, but listen, you no longer have to worry about anything. Here's 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 the check, right? That's one. The other one is, is if that's not the case, man, focus on whatever insurance costs and just put that aside and put that towards your savings, right? Focus on building your wealth, building your wealth, building. And when you have the mortgage and you have the marriage and you have the the cars and you need to make sure you protect your asset and the kids, then at that time you can say, listen, I can, I can pull some of this money out that I've saved during my accumulation phase and I can start paying annually for my policy. Uh, Cause I have money set aside there for that. 
Yeah. Would you say for that guy, you know, mid to late twenties, maybe even even in his early thirties, a single guy, you know, doing doing moderately well in life, is it wiser to stack up the savings and just save, 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 or would you put a lot more into that in investing? Like, where's where's his uh, money best utilized in those in those early twenties? Like, he's he's living on bare minimum. You know, he's got his expenses down to almost absolutely nothing, like a couple grand a month. He's taking care of. He's not worried about the flashiness. He's just like he's trying to set himself up for the future. Would it be wiser to just stack you know stack cash away in his savings account, or should he go deeper and heavy into investing? I think he should have um, three months of expenses set aside in his immediate savings, right? And the rest of it, man, stack that thing away in investments. Stack that thing away in right? treat treat it like no point to have no point to just stack up cash in a bank account so you can tell people oh, I got you know a couple hundred thousand in my you know no, bank account or whatever. I, really, I don't think that's yeah. why. I mean, it's not growing. It's not doing anything. It's, just, it's not doing yeah, anything. You, for have, you. you have a Ferrari that's just sitting in your your driveway without the keys, right? I would say put it away, put it away, out of sight, out of mind. Treat it like a bill and challenge yourself to a number. You know, whether it be a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, right? And and by having a goal in mind, you'll see, man, okay, now I'm living on two thousand dollars a month. Let me set aside three, four, five, six thousand, because my end goal is to have two hundred fifty thousand saved up in my in my accounts, right? And so that when you are married, when you do have kids, right, I think how awesome would it be to say Listen, uh, let me redeem some, let me take some of this money out and pay cash for my home. I'm 35 years old, 36 years old. I'm, shoot, I'm 40 something years old. Let me pay cash, let me pay cash for this house, right? Yeah. Boom, pay cash. And now you have a home, you have equity, right? Now you can start putting aside more money because now you're not putting it towards the mortgage, right? I, I, I thought that was just such a cool concept to say, right? To say, man, I'm gonna pay cash for my home. You know, because I've, I've stayed disciplined for 10 years, 15 years, whatever it may be, right? And now I have an end result. I've reached my goal. Uh, and now I can just, I can have assets now. Yeah. The, the biggest takeaway and in, 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 in consistent theme here is it's, it's, it's planning and understanding that it's, it's a long game. You know, this is not a overnight. This is not what we're providing here is not the get rich overnight solution. This comes down to having a bigger picture for your life, understanding that it's going to take time, but it's that consistently compounding over time. I mean, truthfully, Eric, like this almost sounds too easy. You know, we, we talked about the kids. Like I really feel like you could give these four pillars to a 10 year old and he would understand it. So, so what, what's making it so complicated? Like why, why are so many people having issues with reaching financial freedom like it, it seems like such a simple simple blueprint you know what's what's been your experience with with what's causing people to struggle with this so much you know i heard a quote the other day from uh warren buffett and he said the problem isn't uh that people the problem is that people uh think that money comes easy i think that uh what is it on everyone wants to have money overnight or wants to have quick money Right. Instead of having long term money. Right. And I, and I think people just want to get that rich, quick uh, system. They want to get fast, quick instead of getting rich, slow. All right. And nowadays people have to understand in order to be wealthy, it takes time. Right. It takes time. It takes time and discipline. Right. And uh, if you don't have a plan set, of, uh, nowadays people just don't have plans. Right. So they live by the seat of their pants. And they just every single day they're trying to get ahead, but they don't know why or how to get ahead, right? So it is simple, man. Finances is so simple, and that's the reason why I became so passionate about it because for the first time ever, it was something that I could understand and I could teach somebody else to teach somebody else, right? And it just if you just follow those four pillars, you know, you're gonna reach financial independence, right? It may take ten years, it may take twenty years, thirty years, forty years. But at the end of the day, you're going to look back and say, man, I've, I've stayed disciplined on these four pillars, and now I've reached this destination. This GPS has led me to the right destination, you know? And, and so that's the problem, man. People think it's just too easy or too simple. But, it, man, you just got to focus in on that. Focus in on those four pillars. Now, if you want to enhance it, add more money to it, you know? If you want to enhance it, get out of debt quicker so that eliminates one of the pillars, and now you're investing more money towards that long-term growth.
What about Bitcoin? You know, Bitcoin seems like it's a pretty easy way to make money nowadays. I mean, everybody's kind of, you know, I see it posting all the time. Like, yeah, I made, you know, a million dollars last night because the Bitcoin went up, you know, 20%. Like, like what's your, you know, I, I, I know we got to kind of be careful here with, with advice and maybe discussing things. And if I, if I asked an improper question, let me know, but no, um, can you speak to Bitcoin at all? Like what's your, you know, what's your, what's your, you know, your personal or, or professional kind of, kind of take on it. Cause I, it, it can be very volatile easy maybe to kind of well it's volatile you know the fact of it is but it can be very easy for people to get sucked into the attractiveness because you got these kind of bit you know bitcoin millionaires 22 year old kid you know he's doing whatever like that can be very easy for somebody to fall victim to so yeah just speak to bitcoin if you can yeah, for, for um, a minute I've, I've never been uh I, I haven't transitioned yet into there and the reason why for me personally is because it's not monitored, right? I mean, when it comes to stocks, bonds, mutual funds, I mean, you you're, you have people monitoring that, making sure that it's compliant, making sure that the companies that you invest in are legit, right? And so, when it comes to Bitcoin, it's it's not, right? And uh, and for instance, and I, I don't see myself telling, like I told you in the beginning, man, I would never give advice to somebody that I'm not doing myself, right? And so, when it comes to to Bitcoin, my biggest concern is I tell you, Frank, listen, go invest into this coin and maybe doing well, maybe doing well, and then you just lose everything. You know, you're not going to look at me. You're not going to come talk to me when things are going great. You're going to come talk to me when things are going bad. And if I don't have an answer to that question, it doesn't make sense to do it. So I've never, ever, you know, recommended Bitcoin to anybody. I, I, I don't understand it. Honestly, man, I, I've, I've been trying to learn it. People have been trying to teach it to me. I have no, I still can't understand it. And as you can tell, man, if it's not simple, if it's not understandable for me, I just don't pursue it, right? And so once it's simple and understandable, I may, you know, go get into it. But as of right now, I just, I, I just don't, I don't see it, man. I, I want to make sure that I'm a product of history, right? History tells us that if you stay consistent and saving your money, in these vehicles, right? Whether it be mutual funds, stocks, bonds, not giving advice to anybody, but if you give, if you stay consistent in those vehicles, then eventually down the road, you you will win, right? Uh, you know, so that's that's how I go about, you know, the, the Bitcoin conversation. Yeah, no, I love that. No, I appreciate appreciate you, you know, speaking speaking openly there about that. Um, what's been the, you know, what's been the biggest advice you've been giving to people here in the last, you know, 12, 14, you know, 15 months now, like, you know, world got kind of flipped up, you know, on its side last year, this whole pandemic, global shutdown, economy is all over the place. They're just printing money, giving it away to people. Nobody's having to go to work. You know, you're literally getting money, just kind of showing up at, at your door. Like how have you kind of been, you know, a maybe coaching, you know, your, your staff and your, you know, the people that work underneath you and, um, and then the people that you help, you know, manage their money. Like what, what type of advice have you been sharing with people in the last, you know, last year or so with what's going on in yeah, the world? Man, so the first one, so I, I'll start talking about the clients. We, we educate our clients now because of COVID. Now people understand the need of a, of an emergency fund, right? They understand the need of a rainy day fund. They understand that their job isn't guaranteed, that they need to make sure they have money set aside, that if anything happens to their job, that they can, they can still pay bills, they can still live in their house, they can still survive. So they've realized, man, I gotta start saving money and saving money quick for this emergency fund, right? Um, also, uh, for people on our, on our, for our teammates here at the office, We've just been like, listen, you got to get fully licensed in this business. You got to not only have your insurance license, but you also got to get your investment license. There's so many people out there who we can bless with this information, right? So we got to make sure that you are credible and also that you're legit, that you're licensed uh, to do this, right? So we've been we've been talking about licensing, licensing, licensing so much uh, to make sure we have an army of people doing the right thing in our community, you know, helping people with their finances, so on and so forth. Uh, but and also to all my entrepreneurs out there, uh, we've been educating them as far as having multiple streams of income, right? Having multiple streams of income that you're not just relying on one stream of income, that you have multiple sources of income coming in. Because if one faucet gets closed, we need to make sure that there's still a flow coming in to survive, right? And so uh, those are the three ways we've been talking to people as far as our clients, our teammates, and and you know fellow entrepreneurs out there. 
as well too, brother. You know, COVID is, it, it was it was crazy, man. But I think you know, uh, and I hope I'm not stepping on any toes on this, but it was something that our nation needed to to have so that we can see, right? So that we can see how we can uh, prevent this from happening financially again, right? That nobody can go through a struggle unprepared again. That they know now, man. Let's have money saved aside. Let's let's make sure that we have multiple streams of income, and let's make sure that we have the licenses set in place so we can help out the masses if this pandemic ever happens again. Yeah, no, no, that's 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 great. Um, yeah, Eric, I want to you know I want to I want to bring it home. I want to be respectful to you know to to your time and obviously all the all the listeners. I mean, we always appreciate everybody you know sticking with us for for these hour long episodes. You know, it's a lot of your time and and hopefully you know hopefully this uh, this conversation was was valuable to people. Um, you know, last bit of, of, of advice here, you know, whether it's on the pillars or anything we didn't, didn't get to, you know, quick 60 seconds. Um, and then I'll, you know, a couple, couple, you know, last minute questions here, but any last, you know, words of advice for, for people out there, doesn't matter where they are just to kind of, you know, to get the ball, to get the ball rolling here. Yeah. Yeah. I would listen guys, um, finances, it can be complicated, right. But if you simplify it and you just follow those four pillars that that I taught you today, I'm telling you. Man, and if you look at just 90 days from now, if you just following these pillars, you're going to see a dramatic difference in your financial structure, right? You just got to follow those four things and don't overcomplicate it. Just stick with those four pillars, man. Stick with those four pillars. Uh, and I'm going to send Frank some information as well, too, that if y'all have any questions whatsoever, have Frank email it to you. Have Frank, you know, contact uh, contact Frank for the, the you know, budget worksheet. Um, you know, and you can Google how to, how to do a budget, how to, you know, let me get a budget worksheet, right. And just have a worksheet in place so that you can free up money. So you can pay off your debts, so you can start investing and also make sure that later down the road, if you, you know, when you're ready, get some, get some low cost term insurance for sure. Yeah. If you, if you send that, that budget tracking spreadsheet, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it into a Google drive and I'll drop it down there in the show notes and in the description box here on YouTube for everybody. What, um, you know, what, what, what good resources, whether, you know, we talked about Dave Ramsey, uh, here before, you know, any good books, you know, getting started, any, any great podcasts or people that, that you're following. Yeah. What good resources are out there that maybe we can point people in the direction for? Hey man, I only, I only listen to the superhuman life. Right. That's, that's, that's Come on now. Too bad. <laughs> um, you know, so, but, but as far as like books and everything, obviously Dave Ramsey has, has some great information there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm more on the self-improvement, how to become a better leader out there. So I actually have books here that, I mean, I, there's, there's obviously the, the, uh, the John Maxwell books or Rick, uh, Rick Warren uh, books as well, too. I mean, there's just so much information out there as far as podcasts, as far as uh, YouTube channels, uh, where it can better your finances. But I'm telling you, caution as well, too, because there's a lot of stuff out there that, that will overcomplicate it. Uh, you just I mean, if you just stick with those four pillars, right, you don't need to you know, you really don't need to hire elsewhere. Right. I would I would hire a coach. Uh, I wouldn't pay for their coach, but I would make sure that you have a coach that knows the strategy right? That can help you and gear you uh, along the right way to financial independence. Got it. No, 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 that's great. And, and, and one book I think could, could help. I mean, it's, it's not a specific finance, but it changed my life when I first read it back in 2015, because it's exploring this, you know, this idea of the compound effect. It's uh, the slight edge by Jeff Olson, because he shares a story of the passing grandfather that was extremely wealthy. He had two grandsons. He offered them both $1 million or a penny that would double every day for 31 days. One, one son took the million dollars and blew it all in the first 30 days. The son that took the penny that doubled every day for 31 days had over $10 million by the end of, by the end of the month. So um, it really kind of paints that picture of how powerful uh, this compounding effect can, can be. And that's the importance of, of getting into an investing program because your money's not going to compound in a, in a savings account. You really need that interest bearing uh, account. So awesome, man. If people, you know, when you said that, I was like, man, you know, also the book that changed my life is the richest man in Babylon, right? That's a well, right? And then rich dad, poor dad. Those are the two books that I would say are game changers. Um, I don't know why they escaped him when I was talking, but those are the two books that I say, man, dang, it, those and the slight edge, man. That's a great book as well, too. Um, you know, there's just a wealth of knowledge or wealth of information out there uh, that we, we we have no excuse, 
right? We have no excuse. We just got to go find it and go read it and learn it. Awesome, man. Awesome. And, 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 and Eric, uh, you mentioned here at the beginning that, you know, in, in this last year, uh, you guys have really grown, you know, nationally. So, you know, we obviously we have a, you know, we have an audience from, from all over the world, but if, you know, somebody's maybe interested in, in, in getting connected with you or maybe exploring, you know, what you guys have, have, have to offer with, uh, with your firm, like what's the best way for people to, to, to find you? Oh, man, I appreciate it, man. That's, uh, Instagram is, is, is a good way. Um, which is my, my tag, I guess, is the name of it is E Ortiz 55, uh, E Ortiz 55. Um, go ahead and follow us and send me a message. Uh, if you have any questions whatsoever, I, I'm really good on those. I can, I can respond to you. And if not myself, then, you know, I have, uh, I have somebody in our, in our organization that, that, uh, helps out with me on, on as far as social media. Um, they can help out as well too, but. We're here to help, man. And at the end of the day, we're, we're here to help. We're here to give you some information to better your life financially in any way possible. Yeah, no, no, that's incredible. And guys, we'll get all this, all this plugged down in, in the show notes. Eric, we have one last question that we end every single podcast with. It's going to be a slight change of direction because it's not related to money. Um, obviously, you know, the title of the show is, is the superhuman life. You know, me personally, you know, you know, you know, that this, uh, this podcast has been a product of my own life's, you know, journey and own transformation. So when I talk about living a superhuman life, for me, it's the understanding and belief that I was put on this earth at this time for a very specific purpose. That's the first, that's the first step to living a superhuman life. Secondly, as a man of fitness, as somebody that spent his life mastering what it takes to build a physique, I also believe that a part of what we're here for is to fully embrace uh, this physical vessel. So when you take the belief that you put here for a purpose, and then you do everything within your power to fully develop this physique through the fitness side of things, in my opinion, that's what I talk about when I say living a superhuman life. It's more of a way of living or a belief system than anything else. But I like to get the guest take. So as we bring it to a close here, Eric, Eric Ortiz, how would you define living a superhuman life? Man, that is a phenomenal question. Uh, I think I always reverted back to success, right? I mean, there's a saying out there, but my dad always told me, listen, the, the definition of success is not you being successful, is you teaching other people how to become successful, and in turn, you will be successful, right? And so living a human life is not me being successful in everything that I do, but me teaching other people how to, how to be successful, my definition of, of success, right? And so... Um, that is a phenomenal question, man. I love that question. I'm going to keep asking people that too, man. Is uh, So, I mean, for me, it's just teaching other people how to become successful, right? So that they can teach other people and the train keeps going on and on and on. Brother, I, I, I absolutely love that. And that it's obviously resonating with, with everything that we're doing here with this show. I mean, we're, you know, this is a, it's a free podcast. There's no charge to, to subscribe or listen. We're not running ads to it. Um, it's solely for the service and, and, and good of others. So I think you're right in line with, with what we're living here. So brother, amen to that. I appreciate you for your time, for your wealth of knowledge, for your experience, for your wisdom on all things, finance, creating financial freedom. We brought it biblical. We tied it all in here today. So, so thank you again, brother. Uh, we'll make sure to get everything plugged down there uh, below. And for you guys that are listening out there, whether you're watching us on YouTube, we just want to thank you for tuning in here every single week. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to hit that subscribe button right here on YouTube. Um, and for you guys out there in the audio world, you know, obviously we appreciate you tuning in here. Please help us continue to grow this mission, grow this show uh, by doing two things. If you haven't done so yet and you're getting value out of these shows, we appreciate those ratings that helps let the algorithm know that these conversations are meaningful, that they're valuable to others. So the first thing to drop us that rating and written review, but more importantly, if there's somebody in your life that you know needs to hear this conversation, maybe somebody's struggling financially, maybe somebody's not sure where the next, uh, you know, the next money is, is coming in, or they're just struggling to, to get by, share this conversation with them. Uh, but for Eric Ortiz, Frank Rich, Superman Life, we love you guys, and we'll see you next week.